Craft Beer Radio, episode 4, July 6, 2005. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. Today we're going to be talking about the Malty Brown Ale. We're also going to answer a few questions, talk about beer news, and uh, give us some thanks. And that's actually the first thing we're going to do. Yes, we'd like to thank Jason McFerrin, who sent us in a logo for Craft Beer Radio. I'm getting some shirt designs made up, and we'll have them on the site. It's a really nice logo. Yes. I like it a lot. Yeah, we'll put it up on the site so everyone can see. We're going to have some shirts for me, and if any <laughs> of you want to buy one, they'll be there too, but I don't expect to sell too many. I, If you're wondering why I said me, I kind of decided, well, I mean, when am I going to wear a shirt? When am I going to wear a Craft Beer Radio shirt? I don't know. Yeah, well, if you know Greg, he's also not much of a t-shirt guy. Yeah. He doesn't wear t-shirts very often, so... That's true. All right. We'd also like to welcome all the iTunes users. Oh, yeah. iTunes now is a new podcast feature, and so apparently a lot of people have been discovering our show. We'd like to welcome you, and thank you for listening. Yep. Ever since 4.9 came out, you could see that our downloads have gone up quite a bit. I see that a lot of people are downloading the very first test episode. I, I've heard that's because when episode you're previewing... 0.9. Yeah, the 0.9 episode. When you're previewing our podcast, it downloads the oldest one in the feed. We're going to put together a promo piece there, so you don't you can listen to a promo that's more concise than the first five minutes or so of our first podcast, which was probably pretty awkward. But since you're already listening to this, you probably don't need to hear our promo, so that's neither here nor there. We also have a correction that we need to bring forward. Right. In our Hefeweizen episode, I said in the malting process that brings the, makes more starch in the, the barley malt, which is later converted to sugar mm-hmm. in the mashing process. Which, when you think about it, doesn't really make sense, does it? No. How does it make more starch? Yeah. So we misspoke. I was a little fuzzy on the concept. I need to go back and reread the all-grain brewing chapter from Charlie Papazian's <laughs> book, The Complete Joy of Home Brewing and refresh my memory. Fred Johnson wrote in to say that the malting process synthesizes the amylases, which is an enzyme, which is the enzyme that changes the starches and the sugars in the mashing process. I see. So that makes more sense. But we love it when uh, somebody would tell us if we're incorrect and so we can correct ourselves and uh, make sure everybody knows about it. The good thing is someone smarter than us is listening to the podcast and hopefully enjoying it. I hope so. Well, okay, so that's enough for thanks. We're going to talk about beer news now. The first thing we have is about North Carolina. A bill in North Carolina has gotten the okay of the Senate, and this bill is to raise the alcohol limit on beer from 6% to 15%. Now, 6%, that's a small alcohol limit. You can't really have much in the way of imperial ales or... uh, heavy extreme beers there's a lot of beers you can't have yeah. i mean some of the beers we're having tonight are just over six percent and they're american brown ales that's true i was thinking i was thinking six percent but i mean just over six percent would would qualify as yep. being banned in north carolina and also apparently uh south carolina too in north carolina there was the grassroots organization called pop the cap and they're the mm-hmm. one that put this forward and been contacting the legislators. And I've known about a couple of years because of a fellow named Loki on BeerAdvocate.com. Okay. So it's a good day for him. And I wanted to give him props, give him a shout out, uh, because today's his day in the sun, because they're going to have real beers in North Carolina soon. Well, we should point out this is just a Senate committee saying, okay, it hasn't actually gone through the whole vote yet. It has gone through the House from what I've read. Right. The House was a little tentative 
but they passed it. The Senate seems to be pretty solid in this. The committee does. Sounds good. So everybody who is in North Carolina, you're going to be able to drink some better beer, or not better beer, but you're going to be able to drink some good beer. Maybe a wider variety of beer. That's a good way to put it. And you won't be limited to the session-style beers. Right. One little tidbit I wanted to bring up next was, it seems like everyone in Google News is writing about how the United Kingdom is worried that Budweiser's B to the E (laughs) caffeinated beer (laughs) is going to cause binge drinking. I guess because the beer drinkers won't be tired or something. So (laughs) everyone's really worried that B to the E is going to cause binge drinking. I don't know how caffeine will necessarily affect the body if you're binge drinking. I can't imagine that if you're totally wasted, the caffeine is going to do much to you anyway. And also... It'll keep you from passing out so quick. Well, I guess maybe. But also, are they going to ban... Or are they thinking, like, are they afraid of coffee porters, too? Which, you have coffee, and then they, I assume you get caffeine in there, too. Yeah, well, don't don't let them know, or the, uh, uh, shh, don't tell know, the Parliament's going to be voting on that. The last thing I want to bring up... Now, I just up, banned B to the E out of principle, but that's a different thing. Yeah, very good. Last thing I want to bring up is uh, an AP story that we found on The Wire. It's actually from Pittsburgh. <laughs> this is a good one. This is really good. James Henry Smith died the other day. At his funeral viewing, he's going to be laid out. It's going to be set up like his living room. He's going to be in an easy chair watching high-definition TV with Steelers clips. He's a tremendous Steelers fan. And he's going to have some beer and some cigarettes on him. He's going to be wearing a black and gold silk pajamas. And that's (laughs) going to be his viewing at the funeral home. I guess only tangently related to beer, but still, we thought it was a good story. Yeah, the beer and the cigarettes kind of make this a little more rednicky than the average thing. The rest of it's just a, you know, diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan story, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be sitting there with say a dogfish head or a victory or something like that. I mean, he's probably got Iron City in his hand. Oh, it most definitely should be an Iron City. If it's, if it's got all Steelers all the time, you'd have to be right. Yep. All right, that's all the news we had. It was another slow news week. I was checking Google News today, hoping to find some great news stories to bring to you. We had two of them, but that is it. I had a question about beer, and the question I had is when I go into uh, some of these brew pubs, they have cask ales, and they're very good, and they're tasty, and I would like to know what the real difference is between a cask ale and a regular conditioned ale. A cask ale is often referred to as a live beer. It's ongoing secondary fermentation Mm -hmm. in the cask or the keg, whatever it's stored in. A lot of craft beers, microbrew beers, all have the yeast in the keg still, so they're all undergoing a form of secondary fermentation. When they're being served, though, they're a lot colder, so the fermentation slows down a lot more. Okay. The main difference between keg beer and cask beer is how it's dispensed. Keg beer is pressurized with CO2 or a CO2 nitrogen mix if you're talking about something that is like Guinness or right. Boddington's. Cask beer is drawn with a hand pump. So it's pumped out of the that. cask. And uh, there's two ways you can do it. Typically with a plain old cask, atmospheric air goes in to fill the, the vacancy of the removed beer. Mm-hmm. So cask beer doesn't last as long. You can get a thing called a breather, which is kind of like a a regulator, which replaces the volume with CO2, so your casks last longer. Okay. Because if you have a cask with just atmospheric air filling in, the cask is only good for a day or two. It's going to oxidize really quickly. Beer oxidizes and gets that cardboardy taste that we talked about last week. If you put on the CO2 breather, it can last a lot longer. 
because all the headspace in there is CO2, so the beer is not going to oxidize. So it is, I mean, it does have carbonation, even though it may not necessarily taste the same way as other beers. It does have carbonation in it because it's undergoing that process. Yeah, there'll be some CO2 dissolved in the beer, but it's not under pressure, so it's not the amount of carbonation right. you're used to when you order a draft beer. And it's certainly warmer. Right, and it traditionally also served warmer, 50 degrees, 55 degrees or so. And that being warmer is probably where they say the second secondary fermentation is taking place because the yeast isn't completely dormant mm-hmm. like it would be in a keg that's stored at 40 degrees. So you're actually eating some live critters along with your beer. Well, active yeast, but you don't have to worry about that. It's just vitamin B12. It's good Oh, for yeah, you. I'm not saying that you, know, you should be disgusted by that. It's just something to know. Right. Our beer type this time around is brown ale, which is, I think, a good way to get people started into craft beer. Yeah, it's a very good gateway beer, something we probably should have done a couple beers ago. I'm not sure why we didn't think of doing this style sooner. A lot of people that I've turned on the craft beer, I've introduced them with one of these beers that we're tasting tonight, the Brooklyn Brown Ale. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorites uh, of the brown ale variety. The uh, the brown ale it's it's a it's a uh, it's a milder beer has some multi flavor to it. Uh, there's two different main styles to the brown ale. There's the English brown ale and the American brown ale. Mm-hmm. And actually, there's two English brown ales. If you look at these commercial beers that we're drinking, it's hard to tell which one's which. But from what I've told, almost every commercial English brown ale is a North English brown ale, which is a drier drier beer, and it's typically a little bit higher in alcohol. A okay. South Eng- a South English brown ale is a real session beer. It's only like 3% alcohol. Wow. So it's something that's meant to be drank and drank and drank. And it's also a maltier beer where the north one is, obviously brown ales are still malty, but it has a drier finish to it. You know, you might want to explain, since you've mentioned it twice already, what a session beer is. Session beer is a low alcohol beer designed to be drank in a pub all night without, you know, getting too drunk. Without impairing right. the drinker. In England, pub life is part of the culture. And, you know, in other countries, too, in Europe, but in England, particularly, publish part of the culture. They go there after work, they stay there till till bedtime, and they drink mm-hmm. beers, hang out with their buddies, you know, and it's not unusual to bring your kids or your wife and, you know, just have a good old family time at the pub. Right. And you don't want to get too blitzed for that, obviously. No. So it's like getting an, an iced tea. You go to a restaurant, get an iced tea, and said you're getting a session beer. It doesn't really, it's not really going to impair you. Okay, back to brown ale. Okay. The brown ale, it's an old style of beer, but its history is kind of muddled. It is spawned from a mild ale, which in mild ale in England is typically that session beer that we were talking about. It's caramel colored, dark brown in color, and it's malty, but it's not much in alcohol. The brown ale historically was most beers. When beers were being made before 1680, the malts were roasted and dried with the malts were dried with wood fires. Okay. And with the wood fires, it was war- warmer temperature, and the smoke would color the malts darker. So most beers were brown colored. In the period from 1680 to 1700, they started using coke to, to dry the malts. And that in- invented the pale malts. So from then on, that's like the birth point I of see. the pale ales. And brown ales were the offset of the darker colored beers at that time period. Like porters and stouts. Right. Actually, from 1750 to 1900, brown ales written in historical texts often refer to porters and stouts. Hmm. For I'm able to find, the term brown ale wasn't 
a distinct style until the 20th century when Newcastle put out their brown ale. And from there, the style emerged. That's really interesting. So Newcastle was... Newcastle started the idea of a brown ale, of, of what we call a brown ale. What we call a brown ale today. Now, granted, there were brown ales before that, but there was no rules. Some of them were the old-style ale, which mm-hmm. means uh, a beer flavored with herbs and spices instead of hops, and where beer was beer flavored with hops. So some were those. Some were they were all brown in color, but they didn't have any real style characteristics to them. And in the 20th century, Newcastle put out their brown ale, and that spawned the the, cur- the modern brown ale style. Newcastle, again, a good gateway. I think that uh, I really started jumping into craft beers full-time, starting from Newcastle and then getting on to other things. Now, I find Newcastle today to be not quite as flavorful as other examples. Yeah. I, when I see someone drinking a Newcastle, I know the place has a Brooklyn. I always suggest that they try the Brooklyn. Yeah. It's a it's a minor step up, but I think most people would enjoy that step up and they probably wouldn't go back unless, you know, they go to a place that doesn't have the Brooklyn or some other micro craft beers. Mm-hmm. Some of the flavors that we'll see in a brown ale are caramel and chocolate flavors. That's due from the roasted malt. Mm-hmm. Nuttiness, right? Yes, the nuttiness also comes from the grain. The southern England brown ales were usually darker, sweeter, and lower in alcohol. The North American brown ales are usually drier than the English ones, and particularly the North English ones. They have um, a slight citrus accent to them from the American hops, um, medium body, and sometimes some fruitiness and some esters from the from the yeast is from in the American. So the Americans are going to have a little bit more of hard to describe, but tanginess maybe. So a little bit of an extra punch of flavor more on the hoppy side. Yes, yeah, a little bit hoppier. One of the ones I wasn't able to secure for tonight, but I had a couple weeks ago was Bell's Best Brown Ale. Uh huh. And it had a significant hop uh, flavor to it. That's I mean, interesting because you don't expect that out of a brown ale. Yeah, it wasn't. IPA or anything, but it had a bit of a a tart and grainy flavor that had I figured had to come from the hops in it, and it was very interesting. And I was hoping to grab it for tonight so you could try it, but the bottle shop didn't have any of it. Oh well. Uh, what sort of serving temperature should these be at? Okay, I found some conflicting sources on here. One of the places okay. I was looking at said 45 to 50 degrees. That's 7.2 to 10 degrees centigrade, and on the Samuel Smith site, they recommend that there is served five degrees warmer at 55. It's not a huge difference, and I tend to like beers warmer, so I would like to drink them at the 55 that Samuel Smith suggests. Oh, that sounds good to me. The alcohol by volume range for this style of beer is typically from 4 to 7%. 7%? Now, that would seem to be a pretty strong brown ale to me. One of the beers we're tasting tonight is the Dogfish Head India Brown Ale, and they grab the name India Brown Ale as uh, a cue from the India Pale Ale. You know, pale ales are right. pale ales in India. Pale ales are stronger. So the guy, so Sam Calagione at Dogfish Head made a stronger brown ale, and that one comes in at 7.2%. Hmm. What sort of food goes along with brown ales? Because I'm trying to think in something, um, something, I guess, malty in the taste would help. Malty or nutty. Yeah. Um, well, nutty goes with cheeses particularly. Um, some of the nutty cheeses that go good with it would be an Asiago, Colby, or Parmesan. Mm-hmm. An earthy cheese would also go good. I like a bunch of earthy cheeses. Camembert, Fontina. Okay. I can see that. Fontina, very nutty example. Yep. For food, we have pork or grilled meat. 
grilled meats. Yeah, that that makes sense because you're sort of you're bringing in the smokiness. You get the, the, char- the caramelized and the char on right. the meat, and it goes in with the caramelized part of the beer. I also saw for um, American style uh, brown ales. They mentioned barbecue. Yeah. So you get the caramelized, mm-hmm. you know, bit on the barbecue sauce, and you know that's a similar flavor. I can see that as being very good. And looks like for this, just typical pine glass. Yep, we're going to use a typical pine glass here. That's it. Well, okay, I guess we're we're going to stop the broadcast right now, the podcast right now, and let these beers warm up a bit, and then we'll be back with our first beer. All right. See you on the flip side. Okay, we're back, and our first beer is Samuel Smith's Nut Brown Ale. This is from Samuel Smith's Old Brewery in Tadcaster, North Yorkshire from the UK. Our first beer not produced in the United States. Yep, this is our first international beer and our oldest brewery. This brewery opened in 1758. It's quite a while ago. It has a distribution area of just about every state in the U.S., so you should be able to find this pretty much anywhere. Yeah, Samuel Smith is imported by Merchant Duvin. They're an import company out of Seattle, Washington. They import other beers like Lindemann's, Orval, Westmall, Rochefort, Celebrator. And they it is I it was in so many states I couldn't pick out which states oh. this isn't available in. So quite a thick head on this one, uh, a couple fingers worth. And definitely a malty aroma. Getting a little bit of yeast notes in there, breadiness. This bottle is a clear bottle. You might remember last week we were talking about light-struck beer and skunked beer and right. how some of the English brewers still put them in clear bottles even though it's not in the best interest of the beer. In the aroma of this, do you pick up any skunking? I think it might be slightly light-struck. I I do smell um, a bit of uh, cardboardiness, I guess. Yeah. So not the skunk smell, but it, it does have a little, little off flavor. A little it, oxidation. It, it it actually it is oxidation. It tastes. It smells like uh, one of my early homebrews, which must have been oxidized because hmm. it's a very similar. Hmm. Still tastes good. Yeah, it does taste good. It's got a really a nuttiness to it, an almost caramel nut taste. Yeah, um, l- yeah, lots of caramel, some nuttiness to it. Mm-hmm. It has a um, relatively dry finish to it. The aftertaste is a little off. After it's gone for a few seconds, I'm getting it in the middle of my tongue. I'm getting an unpleasant flavor. It's a little bit of almost metallic mm-hmm. flavor in the middle. Yeah. But that first taste is very good. Yeah, when it's in your mouth, it tastes pretty good. Once it's gone, yeah, I think this beer's been light struck. A clear bottle sitting in a cooler at the bottle shop. It was in the top row right next to the neon lights or the fluorescent lights. So it's probably not in its best condition. Yeah, I, I bet if you got this uh, in the UK, this would taste a lot better. Probably a lot better in the UK. Or even if you bought a case that was closed and stored in a closed case where it's not getting direct sunlight for a long time, it would probably taste better too. You can taste that there's a good beer here. There's um, there's a real nice, nice... I think it really helps that the beer is a little bit warmer. I think the colder this wouldn't taste that good. I think you really want to bring out that nutty flavor. Yeah, this beer, we wanted to serve around 55, and I think we're pretty close. It mm-hmm. might actually be a little over 55. You don't have a thermometer ready, but it tastes nice and warm. It's an enjoyable temperature for this beer, at least for me. How long is that out of the fridge? That's like 10 minutes. It was out of the fridge, yeah, 10 or 11 minutes. A little bit of information about Samuel Smith. They didn't seem to have their own website, but uh, Merchant Duvin had a website for all the beers that they import with a lot of information about the Samuel Smith Tadcaster Brewery, and that's at Merchant 
merchantduvin.com. So that's merchantduvin.com. Some of their other beers that I like a lot are their oatmeal stout and their imperial stout. Their oatmeal stout's pretty pretty famous and yeah. pretty good too. Yeah, I like those beers because they're the more full flavored ones. This beer and their pale ale are traditional beers, so they're good when they're in good shape, but they don't have as much flavor as their as their imperial right. or their oatmeal does. So five percent alcohol, so not a very heavy beer. Mouthfeel. Well, let's let's give an example of mouthfeel here. Softer, a bit softer on the tongue than than uh, like a harsh carbonated beer, or yeah, heavy carbonated yeah. beer. Soft mouthfeel, but still still on the full side. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not watery or liquidy at all. No. And the beer is still quite drinkable, even though there is that flaw to it, that oxidation or or light struck one or the other that's in there. I I'm still enjoying drinking this, but you can tell that it's not perfect. Yeah, and I think, like we said, that's not due to the beer itself. Very likely it's due to the fact that, unfortunately, it's shipped in these clear bottles and it's shipped overseas to us. Yep, shipped overseas and kept in a rack in a bottle shop right next to a neon light for, you know, days, weeks, months. Who knows? So, if they would only put them in the brown bottles. (laughs) This is the brew that I mentioned last week where they put their IPA in the brown bottle because... Of uh, the more hops, the more likely it's going to get light struck. So they they know enough to put that one in a brown bottle. Unfortunately, not the rest of their beers. Well, that's too bad. But I, I do think that this is something that something that you should really try if you can if you see it, and hopefully it doesn't look like it's been kept out uh, for a long time because it is. There's a very good flavor here underneath some of this oxidation. Yeah, we're not trying this side-by-side side with Newcastle tonight, but this has a lot more flavor, a lot more nuttiness to yes. it than Newcastle does. Newcastle would taste kind of plain after you drank this one. I agree. Okay, our second beer is a beer that we've never had before. It's Uncle Nuts Nut Brown Ale. This beer is from Edenton Brewing Company in Raleigh, North Carolina. They're a relatively young brewery. They opened in 2003. They're only distributed in four states, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, and Pennsylvania. I grabbed this beer at the bottle shop tonight because it was a brown ale, uh-huh. and I thought it'd be fun to try something that we've never heard of the brewery or the beer. I agree. This have no expectations going in, and if it turns out to be a great beer, you know, it's going to be a, a gem. great discovery. Exactly. And so here we are. We're trying to find which one it is. There it is. There it is. Uncle Nuts has a uh, interesting label on it with a yep, Nutty have, Uncle. Yep, we have Nutty Uncle with the two-fisted uh, mugs here. It's kind of a, he's wearing an old suit. It's kind of like an American co- American Gothic type guy, uh, old horn rim, horn rim glasses. Yeah, but, but the label's not the important thing, is it, Greg? No, the beer is the important thing. Would you like to mention some of the other beers that this brewery makes? They make uh, an IPA, Big Boss IPA. It's an American IPA. They make uh, a Vit beer uh, called Half Vit, uh, which might be one of those half half Vitsons, half Vits. We're not sure. Uh, they make a Hell's Angel Munich Hell's Lager, American Pale Ale called Hornblown's Tavern, Joseph Hayes Revolutionary American Blonde Ale, Pumpkin Ale called Pumpkinhead Ale, we're going to do pumpkin ales, I guess, sometime around October, Winter Cheer American Stout, they make some interesting sounding beers, I'd like to try. More there were stuff. several other styles of this beer at the bottle shop, so if this one turns out to be good, maybe not on the show, but Greg and I will be definitely be trying some more beers from this brewery if it, see how this turns out. Okay, we got it poured. It's a darker color than the Samuel Smith. It definitely is. It, um, it's just slightly lighter than a porter would be. 
if you hold it straight out, you can see th- light through it around the sides of the glass, but straight through the center, it's yeah. a pretty dark brown. I agree. It's translucent, but not qu- not much. The head on it is um, a little brown. It's a nice uh, tight head. Wow, that's a really malty aroma. Yes, very yes. malty. The aroma is very malty. Uh, not very, not so much nuttiness, but a lot of malt, and that's pretty much the only smell I'm getting. And the taste is is really malty too. Mm. Extremely malty. I mean, it's clean a, clean taste to it. Not much of an aftertaste. First impression on the very first sip is it's quite malty, and, but quite drinkable. Yeah, it's finishing like you said, clean, but there's a little bit of maltiness that's lingering behind, which is good. It, it's a nice malty kind of. It reminds me, I guess, of. Uh, malted milk balls, that sort of taste. Okay. This is an English-style brown ale. I keep wanting to say pale ale, but mm-hmm. the, you know, we're on brown ales today. <laughs> they English, certainly don't look pale. Nope. English-style brown ale. It's available year-round. The alcohol in this is 5%. Wasn't able to find any brewery production numbers on this brewery, but uh, this first sip was a good beer. Yeah, there's not a terrible amount of complexity to the beer. It's pretty much just straightforward maltiness. But it's a good maltiness. It's it's measured. Yeah, I mean it's it's certainly not unbalanced malty. I mean there's right. balance to it. It's just the hops are there to provide balance, and they yeah. don't really provide any extra character on their own. They just provide the balance for the beer, which is something you sort of expect from a brown ale. It's not going to wow you with a whole lot of flavor. It's going to sort of give you this malty backbone, maybe a little bit of extra flavors, and just sort of let you go with it. Certainly, yeah, the hops aren't supposed to be a predominant character. The the bells that I was telling you about, that was actually classified under an English style, but it had that, that tartness, hoppiness to it that I would just be curious if it was judged in a competition, whether you know it would lose points on that or not, hmm. because it just seemed out of character. It was enjoyable. I liked it, but for the style, it seemed out of character. I really like the, the sort of lingering aftertaste that this gives you. I mean, like we said, it finishes clean, so it's soft, but there is sort of this lingering maltness. And I like that backbone. It really, it kind of says, drink some more. You want some more. Only about 5% alcohol on this one. I'm getting some chocolate flavors out of it. A little bit. A lot of, I'm getting mostly chocolate and pr- probably a little bit of caramel, but I'm getting a, a bunch of chocolate in the middle of the flavor, like a, like a dry, um, an unsweetened baker's chocolate, maybe. I could see that. I'm still tasting more malt than anything else. Okay. Like I said, I mean, those, those chocolate-covered melted malt balls are sort of the perfect uh, way to describe this taste, I think. Yeah, this would go good with a, um, a seared steak or something like Ooh, that. It would be delicious. Absolutely. Yeah. Make me seared on the outside steak. and pink on the inside. Mm. Um, this would be an ideal companion with that. We have to try more of this stuff, more of this uh, brewery. Edenton, yeah, we're going to have to go get those other ones. You know, they had, you know, I, I'm always kind of hesitant with breweries with the way they branded their beers, you know, Uncle Nuts and uh, <laughs> what was the other one? Hellas Angel, you know, yeah. where they kind of have these gimmicky names. But, you know, if their beers stand up, they can make all the gimmicky names they want. Well, we know it's North Carolina beer, so none of their beers are going to be above 6% alcohol. Which would be interesting to see. Well, I guess you can make a good American stout that's 5%. Yeah, and an IPA, you can certainly do it around 5.5 or so. 5.9999824. It's under 6. Yep. So, yeah, Eatington Brewing Company. I never even knew that. I was in Raleigh a couple years ago. And I, I went to a couple of the beer bars down there. And they have a uh-huh. couple of nice beer bars. 
names are escaping me right now. But I never thought of looking up a brewery. And uh, I should have checked out Edenton when I was down there. Yeah, I like this stuff. This is a good one. I, I'm sure they don't have much distribution uh, in terms of their production, but... Uh, yeah, the distribution, like I mentioned already, is just those four states. Right. So if you're lucky enough to live in Pennsylvania, South Carolina, North Carolina, or Virginia, you should check this brewery out. It's, um, well, at least an up-brown ale. Yeah. But I expect most of their beers aren't... I mean, this one has no visible flaws that I can pick out. So I would doubt that their other beers are going to be crap. Yeah, they're probably solid beers, too. Probably. This is... This is really good. I'm, I'm really enjoying this one. And the relatively new. I, on the website, they had a pretty updated history. They opened in 2003. Mm-hmm. They actually turned a profit in 2004. September was the first profitable month. So I don't think for the whole year, but they turned a profit for a month in September. And they said for 2005, they expect to be in the black for the whole year. Well, that's great. So, yeah. Looking nice to see to a more from this. brewery making good beers, making money, good stuff. Like I said, I just I really like the way this finishes. I like that sort of that maltiness that just sticks. Yeah, we traded glasses after these two beers, didn't we? Uh oh. <laughs> oh, I'm getting Greg cooties. I think we'll be okay. Our next beer is one that we talked about before. One of our personal favorites, Brooklyn Brown Ale. Uh, this is from the Brooklyn Brewery in Brooklyn, New York. Say they call themselves the pre-prohibition brewery because they are around before prohibition. This is one of the breweries that done what you know several of the current microbreweries have done. Uh, Boston Beer Company, for example, they bought up and reinvented an old closed beer mm-hmm. company. Boston Beer Company was closed for a while. Actually, the place there in Boston right now was a different beer company, but they bought it up and they they kind of use the building's tradition, but they also kind of you know have their own identity. Here right. in Pittsburgh, we have Pennsylvania Brewing. And, you know, they've been around since the early 90s, but they're in a building that um, was built in, like, 1865 or something. Right, right. So, you know, they're adopting the traditions of a, an old classic brewery with, you know, their new beers. And Brooklyn's one of those. Their beer, their uh, brewmaster is Garrett Oliver. He's um, a well-known brewer and author, quite well-respected in the industry, and he makes some bang-up beers. I, I like a lot of Brooklyn's beers. I remember um, one of my favorites is their black chocolate stout, which is available uh, around wintertime. And it's, uh, it's an imperial stout, and it really is delicious. Uh, they make 35,000, over 35,000 barrels per year, so they're not quite, they can't be classified as a microbrewery anymore. Yeah, they're, they're one of those ones that are a big-time craft brewery. They're available in probably about 10 states. I'll run through them here real quick. There are not too many. Pennsylvania, Maryland, D.C., North Carolina, Virginia, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Georgia, and South Carolina. This Brooklyn brewery opened in 1988. Greg mentioned their black chocolate style a little bit ago. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good winter seasonal. It's not one of my personal favorites for Imperial Stout. But it's it is enjoyable, and they put out vintages every year. And it's the kind of beer that if you you can sell it for a few years, and you can try different styles mm-hmm. year after year. Like you could have like I have three different years in my cellar right now, and probably next winter I'll get the fourth one, and I might try them all in a row just to see how they've aged and see how they taste different over the different years. That sounds like a good idea. Now I'll be honest, I'm not getting much of an aroma from this yet. Here, take a sniff of this one. Okay. When I poured these, Greg got the little head, and I got the big head. And yeah, I'm getting more of something now. Yeah, I got quite the aroma from mine. It's um, 
little bit yeasty. It, this is an American brown ale, and my aroma was a little bit hoppy when I first smelled it. I picked up some hops on it. Again, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm smelling a little bit of that with uh, what I have. I'm trying to swirl it around a bit to agitate it, get some more aroma. I'm noticing the, the hoppiness. Yeah, when you take a sip of this, it's a lot hoppier mm. than the last beer we had. It really is. I mean, that's one of the things about this beer is this brown ale has a good deal of hoppiness to it. It's got this sort of this phenolic taste to it, I guess I would call it. Yeah, I was just thinking when Greg was talking there that I've never realized the hoppiness in this beer. And drinking a third in a flight of our tasting here after two traditional English ones, mm-hmm. it it stands out the hops and it let me lets me appreciate it. Yeah, if you're a hophead like us, this might be the brown ale well, for you. Yeah, if you're not a hophead, don't let this scare you away. I still think this is a good gateway beer for people getting into craft brewing, craft beer. But I've never noticed the hops like I did just now because we've had such multi. That's beers. funny because I mean I've noticed it before. I remember drinking it and thinking, "What is that taste?" This is before I really recognized the, the hop taste. We talked about this before how you sort of have a hop awakening, right? And I couldn't figure out what that was, but I knew I liked it. And that was the hoppiness that Brooklyn Brown Ale has, as opposed to other brown ales that I've had before. I'm also, I mean, some of the hoppiness is coming across like uh, I want to say sort of almost a cherry. Yeah, it, it's a it's a sweet hoppiness. It's probably the combination of the malt and the hops that are combining there. But cherry's not too far off. I probably wouldn't have said cherry, but there there's a bit of a fruitiness there. Like you said, you get the fruitiness from the yeast, but I think it's more. I think in this beer, it's more of a combination of the malt and the hops. And obviously, the yeast, this being an ale, is going to impart some character there. It's not going to be completely clean and yeast free tasting. But yeah, it's certainly an interesting taste, and this is a great beer and still one of my favorites. It really is very good. It, it kind of it leaves you with a, a bit of a, a floweriness at the end, a little bit of that, that hop kick is still with you at the back of your tongue. Yeah, the aftertaste with the hop kick, I think after the hop fades, I get some caramel taste, mm-hmm. which is like sitting on my heavier on my tongue when the hops, you know, you swallow, you get the hop kick. And then there's a little bit yeah, of like a coating of, of caramel. Just around your entire mouth, you sort of yeah. feel that caramel. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. You can feel that. And uh, like the other brown ales, this doesn't really have as it doesn't really have a, a heavy taste to it. It's not. It's not the carbonation is not going to blow you away. It has, has a fuller mouth feel than the last two beers does. That's due to the hoppiness too. And, and there's certainly more going on. It's a more yeah. complex beer. It's, it's the most complex of the ones we've tried so far. You know what I have to say, Greg? What's I think that? I have to say yum. 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 I, uh, it's hard for me not to agree with that statement. Yeah, it's been a while since I've had this beer. I had it before, and like I said, I didn't appreciate the hops, and I probably had it drinking more aggressive beers. Mm-hmm. After drinking the, I'm so impressed after drinking these two multi brown ales, having this one, I'm able to really pick out the flavors of it. And to be honest, all the listeners out there, I've been renewed as a fan of this beer. Because like I said, it's been a long time since I've had it. And now that I've had this, I'm going to start drinking this more because this is quite enjoyable. It's uh, hops that I need being a hophead and uh, great malty beer. And Essentially with that nice malty backbone as well. It uh, definitely encourages you to drink it because it's just it really does go down very easy. Yep, so I'll be... Uh, Purchasing some Brooklyn here in the near future, I think. We have one beer left on our uh, on our tour of brown ales, 
And that's uh, from a brewery that we mentioned before, Dogfish Head. Dogfish Head Craft Brewery. Their Indian Brown Ale. Uh, we already talked about how it's Indian Brown Ale, so it's got a little bit more hoppiness to it, like an India Pale Ale. Sort of their own invention, I would say. Yeah. On the website, I'm trying to have to try to do this from memory, but it mentions it took a mild, a pale, and and a, a bitter, and mixed it all together, and came up with their own beer, and you know, this is what they came out with. When we taste it, you know, it's been a little bit of time since I've had this one, so I'm interested to see how this compares, because I can't tell you ahead of time how this is going to compare to the other three beers that we had tonight. Uh, Dogfish Heads, um, I think we've mentioned, they, they're available in a lot of... A lot of the U.S. as well as Canada and the U.K. and Puerto Rico. We talked about their other beers, a 90-minute IPA, 60-minute IPA, which is one of my favorites, 120-minute IPA. They just have a, a, a host of really good beers. And their brewery located in Delaware. Now, this is, like we said, an uh, India brown ale. It has 7.2% alcohol. It's uh, heavy on the alcohol. And we're getting a pretty nice thick head with this one. Very dark. Almost opaque. Not quite. You can sort of see through it, but it's a very dark it's red. It's as dark as the the Uncle Nuts, but it looks like it's cloudier than the Uncle Nuts. And getting a maltiness in the smell. The aroma is less hoppy than the Brooklyn, mm-hmm. but you can still pick up hops in the aroma. Yeah, there's something there. There's a little bit of hoppiness, but there's a lot of malt, too. It tastes like an imperial brown ale. <laughs> In a strange way, that almost covers it. It's it um like I said, when you taste it, it has has a little bit of alcoholy taste to it at the right. beginning on the beginning right. of your tongue, like kind of like what you get with an imperial stout. And it's um it's nice and malty. It's an enjoyable beer, isn't it? It really is. I mean, because I love imperial uh, imperial stouts, and we'll probably do that sometime in the winter. When it's really cold here in Pennsylvania, but it has that sort of that that alcoholy malt, that alcoholy sort of almost burnt malt taste. Well, here's the description that I was trying to remember before I put it on the uh, the fact sheet for this beer: a cross between a Scotch ale, an IPA, and an American pale. This beer is well hopped and malty at the same time. Our India brown ale is brewed with aromatic barley and caramelized brown sugar. I would almost, I mean. If you'd gave this to me and didn't tell me what it was, I'd say this is almost a stout. The way it tastes, it just sort of, it has that sort of presentation. Yeah, it, it's hard to classify by taste alone. I wouldn't say stout. I might have said old ale, but it's a little too malty for an old ale. Yeah, it's got that sugariness to it, that maltiness. But I mean, the the, the big I'm tasting a lot of flavors that I normally associate with stouts. Yeah, it's. Somewhere between, I mean, somewhere between an old ale and a stout. Getting that warming from the alcohol, though, you can tell this is a higher. But alcohol you know, beer. since he invented, I mean, he basically invented. Other people are making imperial brown ales and India brown ales now, but I think Sam was the first one to do it. This it fits the name. I think it's a brown ale, but it has that you know it has the imperial qualities, which are going to be imperial stout like, mostly because of the alcohol in it, and it gives me that warming flavor. Almost reminds me of Brooklyn's Black Chocolate Stout. It really has some of that chocolatiness. It has, I'd almost say, sort of a molasses taste to it, bringing out some of that chocolate along with it. There is caramelized brown sugar in the recipe, so that's where you're going to get molasses from. Yeah, there you go. Brown sugar has molasses. 
Some health information for this beer. This is one of the few places, Dogfish Head, which gives you calories and carbs. This beer has 230 calories in it. <laughs> and has 23 carbs per bottle. Wow. In comparison, Michelob Ultra has 2.9 carbs in the bottle. So it has 10 times more carbs. So so all you guys on the Atkins diet. It also has about 20 times more taste. Yes. Everyone on the Atkins diet, we're going to point and laugh at you now because this beer is too good and you can't have it. This beer is basically your carbs for two days. Now, it's good, but how do you comp- if you had to pick what you liked better, flat out beer to beer, this or the Brooklyn? You know, it's it's hard to say because I'd even think, what am I looking for when we get this brand out? Because I'm wondering whether if I was really just looking for the maltiness, if I would go for the uh, the Uncle Nuts. Yeah, yeah. Don't forget about the Uncle Nuts. The Uncle Nuts was good. That's going to have to be my third tonight, though, because I liked the Brooklyn and the Dogfish Head better. I, I think the Brooklyn just has to be on top just because it, it's the most complex out of all these, and it really presents the a sort of a new-age brown ale, I guess, a, a really a, a, a nice brown ale that you can sink your mouth into and just, it will, it'll, it'll satisfy you in, in more ways than just maltiness. Yeah. I'll have, I think I'd have to put Brooklyn on top, too. This is obviously a close second. It has different characters, but, you know, you have to weigh... You know, we're weighing apples to oranges yeah, here. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I'm almost hesitant to put this on the list because this is so different from the other beers. This is not really what you think of when you think of a brown ale. And if you're looking for that brown ale taste, you're not going to get it from this. I mean, I'm not saying this is not a good beer. This is an excellent beer. I'm really enjoying it. And I don't know whether I can scale that on a brown ale scale, though. No, I think you're right. The more I drink this, I think it has to lose points on the brown ale judging. Because it's different. Yeah. It's great. It's a great beer. It really is terrific. But, but if, you're, just... if you're judging it as a brown ale, I just think it can't beat the Brooklyn. Now, granted, this is a dogfish head beer. This is an off-centered ale yeah. for off-centered people. <laughs> and we are both off-centered people here. But certainly. I think, I think we want to express that the Uncle Nuts is a very good beer. And I'm anxious to try more from the Eatington uh, Brewing Company. Because I think that they, if, if Uncle Nuts is this good, I want to try what their other stuff is like. And also, especially their stout. Especially their stout. That would be really good, too. We might be able to compare the stout to this, uh, this Indian brown ale. The Samuel Smith's. It's almost like it has something going against it from the very beginning because it was oxidized. It was brought across across the pond, as it were. So we don't really necessarily have that have the true Samuel Smith to judge. Also, we're, we're spoiled Americans drinking American craft beer, right? And that's a traditional English brown ale, right? So we have to give that some leeway too. Now, granted, comparing these out with our American palates. It was the least flavor- flavorful of the three, but still quite flavorful. I'd certainly recommend it over Newcastle. Yeah, if instance. I had the drink, you know, if I was at a bar that just had a couple imports and like no craft beer, I would definitely pick that, and I would probably not order the Newcastle. I'm the guy that if it doesn't have a beer that I'm going to enjoy, I'll drink water. I don't need to drink beer with dinner. Mm-hmm. And I used to Newcastle used to be one of my bottom lines, and I guess I got a little more snobby lately. Because I don't find the Newcastle is enjoyable anymore. I certainly have friends that accuse me of being a beer snob, and you know what? At this point, I embrace it because I'm not going to tell them what to drink. But if the good beer isn't there, then I'm not going to be drinking it. Exactly. 
So, number four is the Samuel Smith Nut Brown Ale. It's a quality beer, and if you want a traditional English beer, and you can get that fresh, not skunked, oxidized, or light struck, it would be a quite enjoyable beer. But it doesn't compare to the American counterparts, at least for, like I said, our spoiled American palates. Right. Number three would be the Uncle Nut from... What was the name of the brewery? Yeah. Edington. Yes, Edenton. I'm sorry. If the brewer of Edenton's listening, I per- apologize profusely. It's number two for me because, like I said, I didn't put the dogfish head oh, on you, the list. Oh, you rated that above the dogfish? Oh, you, I, you I, kept I, it out. Dogfish head's not on the list as far as I'm concerned. Okay. We have three brown ales and one other. Right. Okay. We can do that. Um, I'm going to keep it in the list, but I see Greg's point of view completely where it, it's so different. I'm going to give number three to the Edenton Uncle Nut, number two to the Dogfish Head, and number one to Brooklyn Brown Ale. Excellent beer. Highly recommended. Yeah, it was the most complex beer of the night, where you could get both the malt and the hops. Whereas, suppose the Dogfish Head was... The malt was a little bit there, but it was covered up by the alcohol and the warming. And then the hops was... Where was the hops? It was... Somewhere in the mix too, yeah. but it was it was primarily a a warming beer with a lot of mouthfeel from from the gravity and the alcohol in the mm. beer. Well, I guess that's it for our show this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with all new beers. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. Hi, this is Jeff from the editing room, and I just wanted to let you know that we have some additional information from this episode up on our website. We did a quick review of two other brown ales, Wolliver's Brown Ale and Trogue's Rugged Trail Nut Brown Ale. We didn't include in the normal episode because it was getting a little bit long and some of the information was a little extraneous. If you want to go check it out, you can go to our website at craftbeerradio.com and download it. And as always, you can email us at beer at craftradio.com. And I will see all of you next week. Thanks for listening again.